Welcome to eConversations, the NJEDA podcast. I'm your host, Ty Cooper, Senior Vice President for Policy and Communications at the NJEDA. As we celebrate Black History Month, I'm ecstatic to be joined by Hester Agadosi, New Jersey's first ever Chief Diversity Officer, and to welcome back Tim Sullivan, the NJEDA's Chief Executive Officer. Thank you both for joining today. Good afternoon, <laughs> and thanks for having us. Yeah, it's so great to be here, Hester. Thanks for coming over. Thank you. I like this already. <laughs> One of the pillars of Governor Murphy's economic plan is closing the racial wealth and employment gaps. Why are these priorities so important, and what are your respective agencies doing to support them? Big question. And I think that's an excellent question, Ty, to, to start off this discussion, because when we think of uh, wealth, then we have to think about business and small businesses, because we know that they are the engines, particularly in our communities right. and state. And um, when we talk about the racial wealth disparity gap, um, I would submit that there's a direct correlation between that and the disparity of our minority women and veteran-owned businesses and the amount of investments that are made Absolutely. in those businesses to be able to grow and scale, as well as just the opportunities for those businesses to grow and scale in contracting, be it on the public sector side or the private sector side. Yeah, I think, you know, from my perspective, I think, um, one of the really important, uh, I think, things that marks how Governor Murphy's economic development approach is distinct from lots of other people's and uh, lots of other ones that uh, I've worked on and, and seen in other places, that it really starts and finishes with how uh, how people are experiencing the economy. This is how how individuals and people and families are are, are, are experiencing economic growth and economic prosperity. And for as much as we can point to the wonderful success stories throughout New Jersey's economy and throughout the state, whether it's the number one school system in the country, whether it's the most scientists and engineers per square mile of anywhere in America or anywhere in the world for that matter. We also have to be honest and realistic about some of the stark inequalities that exist in, in, in our economy. And those, those inequalities are not generally distributed throughout the population. They, are, they concentrate among communities of color. They concentrate in our, in our cities, in our urban centers. And being honest and, sort of, and calling that by its name and being, being transparent about that, I think, is a really important starting point. It is by no means a sufficient solution to the problem, but I think it's an important part of how the governor and our team and working closely with Hester and her, uh, her efforts um, are trying to take this, these, these challenges, these are you know, multi-generational, centuries-old challenges in, in, in too many ways, um, taking them head on and, and being transparent about that. That's a critically important part because the economy is doing well, but not everyone's doing well. That's and that's an important part of how we think about the approach. I agree, and I would say that it starts with being intentional, right? So yep. when we talk about diversity and inclusion, what I would say is that that's not something that's organic. It just doesn't happen right. on its on its own. When we're talking about making sure that we're having direct connections with our diversity and being able to connect that um, to the engine, that economic engine that's booming in the country and even in our economy here in New Jersey. So as you introduce me as being the state's first chief diversity mm -hmm. officer, that's very telling as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because that means that this is the first time in the state of New Jersey that we have an office that's focused exclusively and intentionally on diversity and inclusion um, across state government and agencies, and also more specifically on what's happening with these businesses and how we making sure and everything that we do from our policies to standing up our programs that we're intentional and in looking at the impacts of these businesses, the impact toward these businesses, and also making sure that we're directing the resources properly. So it's been great um, having the opportunity mm -hmm. to stand up these programs and, and you know really to work hand in hand with you EDA. 
Um, you've been a strong and a great partner because what you do in the state, but also just being intentional um, in this administration when it comes to diversity and inclusion. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, and I would say this. I mean, it's such a trailblazing role that you are setting right now, I think, for the state. And I just give kudos to the governor and to this administration for recognizing the importance of creating a space for a role like this and being intentional. I think that word is so important when we talk about diversity and inclusion because it's not going to just happen organically, like you said. You have to be very intentional about what you're doing. And that leads into the second point. Um, another one of the pillars of the governor's plan is building the most diverse and inclusive innovation ecosystem in the nation. Mm -hmm. Now, for Tim, I know this has been a large focus on NJEDAs, including expanding the Angel Tax Credit Program and the creation of New Jersey Chapter of Golden Seeds. This is a few first steps. Can you talk about what this and other initiatives we're doing? Absolutely. You know, the, again, <laughs> this is one of the macro priorities mm -hmm. of the governor's overall economic development plan and strategy, which is recapturing New Jersey's historic mm -hmm. leadership position in innovation. The governor likes to say all the time that New Jersey was Silicon Valley before there was a Silicon Valley. Um, but we've lost some of that edge. We're still a top innovative state, but we're, we're by no means alone at the top of the pack. And uh, we want to be uh, we want to be the best and most um, most productive and innovative uh, uh innovative innovation ecosystem, but we want to be the most dynamic innovation <laughs> ecosystem. Um, and that's important, but lots of people want to have that and lots of people can stake a claim to that. Um, we want to be also the most diverse and inclusive innovation ecosystem. And we're New Jersey. Who's better positioned to do that than we are? We're one of the most diverse states in the nation. We've got um, some of them, we've got, you know, schools like, uh, you know, Rutgers Newark that graduates a higher percentage of um, students of color than any, I think, any undergraduate institution in America. I'm pretty sure that's close enough to true. We'll yeah, it's we'll close enough that. to be true. Maybe, we'll it's the, maybe it's the number one in the Northeast, but I know it's <laughs> the, the very, very top of the of the statistics there. Um, and so we're enormously well positioned to not, to while we're repowering our innovation ecosystem, to not replicating the challenges that have persisted in the Valley, where it's, you know, not uh, an innovation ecosystem that looks like California or looks like America. We can, we can do better than that. Um, and it's important, you know, Hester talked a moment ago about being intentional and using lots of tools uh, and, uh, and incorporating the diversity and inclusion agenda into almost everything we do or as many things we do as possible. The ANGEL uh, tax credit program is a great example of that. It's a pre-existing program. It's been around for you know, probably 10 years or something like that. Um, governor just last summer signed a bill that, that uh, transformed uh, that program. It doubled the size of the credit from 10 to 20 percent, but then importantly, it added a, a diversity and inclusion feature. So it goes from 20 to 25 percent if the ANGEL investment is made in a company founded by a woman uh, or a, a minority, and that's a really powerful and potent tool, and puts our money where our mouth is. We don't just want to say the right things around these issues, but we want to we want to direct resources and direct uh, tax pro tax credit programs can when I they exist. Pause you there for one you second. Can pause Hester, anytime you want. Why is that so important? I know this is one of the initiatives that EDA was really smart in engaging you early on in this process to ensure that as we roll these new initiatives out, that there would be diversity bonuses or extra criterion added on. So it's not just in word, but also in deed. What has this relationship been like working with EDA and why was it so important from the film tax credit to angel tax credit? And I know Tim is also going to highlight golden seeds as well, but why is that so important? So that's so important because we, we know, and from my role of diversity and inclusion, it's all about data, right? Because data informs us and data allows us to be able to not only have an understanding of what the lay of the land is, but to actually set some measurable goals and to be able to measure that. So what the data tells us is that when it comes to these businesses, that they disproportionately suffer from a lack of capital funding, mm -hmm. um, and particularly venture capital funding, as well as just conventional um, funding from banks and other sources. So when you're talking about 
not only do you have that lack of funding, but yet when we look at these businesses, they're able to perform in many instances outperform um, their peers. It's critical that we address that gap. Right. So to the extent that we have EDA that's not only looking at what the condition is, but saying that when it comes to our policies and programming, we're going to directly stand up a program, this angel tax credit program with that incentivizing investments in those businesses, that's huge. Yeah. So to, to Tim's point, that's putting your money where your mouth is. That's saying that we see that there is this deficit in the market. And what we're doing about it is deploying capital into these businesses so that they'll be able to catalyze and grow. And then I want you to follow up just on some information about Golden Seeds, which is equally as important. And I just have to say, it's incredible to be working as part of this administration where this actually is a priority and a focus. So clearly we're celebrating Black History Month, but this is something that EDA and this administration has been working on since the governor really stepped into office. And so one of the, the big things that you also have done is this partnership with Golden Seeds, which I just yeah. want to briefly talk about. Yeah, and the backdrop for this is is, is actually not that encouraging. Uh, Esther was referencing it a moment ago. Uh, venture capital, this is across the country. It's true, it's, true in, it's true in the United States. It's true in every state, and it's true in New Jersey. Venture capital has historically uh, gone way disproportionately away from uh, companies founded by women and companies founded by people of color. And it gets even worse if you look at companies founded by women of color. It's, it's virtually none. Uh, and that's unacceptable. It's, it's, it's a justice and equity issue. It's also an economic development issue. It means that we're not investing in folks who could be growing great businesses and employ lots of people and pay lots of good salaries and, and you know, add vitality to their communities. This, that's a, a terrible shortcoming and for so many reasons. Um, Golden Seeds is an organiz a national organization that we've, uh, under the leadership of the First Lady, Tammy Murphy, and, and uh, her team and the team here at the EDA, we've just stood up a New Jersey chapter of Golden Seeds, which is focused on trying to get more venture capital into companies founded by women and women of color, but particularly about women overall. Uh, because as Hester mentioned earlier, the stats on uh, companies that are, that are for, for, for a whole bunch of reasons, receiving less venture capital have been doing better uh, than the overall mm -hmm. market. And so this is partially about information and providing some guidance of, like, hey, these are, there are some great, great companies uh, that you may not have heard of or you may not be as familiar with that uh, would be a great source of investment. And again, so that's, uh, again, a, a demonstration of how we're trying to live uh, and put into practice these, uh, these commitments that the governor and the first lady and our entire administration have around how we can uh, not just grow the pie, but make sure that, make sure that it's getting more equitably distributed as well. Ty, if I might, I want oh, to please. put a face on what we're talking about. So by way of example, for the first time, the state launched its first Garden State Minority Women and Veteran-Owned Business Summit. Mm -hmm. EDA was mm -hmm. a platinum sponsor. And one of our key speakers was James Ring with Ashley Stewart. Mm -hmm. And James comes from that background, right? Mm -hmm. um, venture. Um, he met these two women of color who were founders of this retail business, Ashley Stewart, which was pretty much, you know, dying yeah. because of lack of capital, lack of investments, but a great model. And the truth of the matter is when we're talking about business, we understand that we're talking about a global marketplace. Mm -hmm. And Ashley Stewart um, had that particular niche of making these brands of clothing yeah. for not only women of color, but for plus size women which is a, a sizable segment of um, our economy. So what you had in Ashley Stewart is that you had, despite the fact that Venture wasn't making that investment, that James seeing that 
this is a great model here, and I'm going to personally put my money in there, and I'm going to pretty much crowdfund some dollars to support this business. And ergo, we have a business that was on life support. That's a billion dollar retailer. Wow. And all and it took was an opportunity all it and a took chance. Was an investment, an infusion of capital, and it's a billion dollar retailer. It's huge. And so, you know, I sit in my seat and I say, how many other businesses do we have like that? That, but for the fact that they don't have that investment of capital, that's the difference between survival and success. That's absolutely. Absolutely right. Yeah. That's absolutely. And I will just harp on this. That was a hugely successful conference. We had over a thousand people there in attendance. It was the first one we did. And are there plans for next year? No yeah. pressure. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and and because of that, and I, you know, and I use Ashley Stewart by way of, of um, reference. They now, as a result of that engagement here in New Jersey, seeing what we have here in terms of this growing community, particularly on this DNI issue, they're going to be having one of their large signature events that's normally on the other side of the Hudson here in New Jersey at NJ Pack. Bring home the bacon. So when, we talk, when we're talking yes. about what we're doing and stimulating, <laughs> yeah. and I want to say this as well because I think it's important. Um, yesterday we had the Oscars. And that's what everyone is talking about, um, the fact that there's still this conversation about diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. in the film industry. And despite the fact that you had diversity in the audience, but when we're looking at the producers, the directors, the nominees, we didn't see that diversity. But again, thanks to EDA and looking at well, what's going on in that industry and how do we yeah. bridge that disconnect, we had, for the first time, we launched the diversity through EDA, the Diversity in Film Tax Credit Program. Can I get like a round of applause for that one? Absolutely. <laughs> to incentivize. Yeah, like an applause track. I know, I need like an applause <laughs> in the back. We should. Yeah. To That's incentivize yeah. not just film production in New Jersey, and that would be easy, right? Mm -hmm. But to say that we're going to give you additional tax credit if you in your films include a diverse and inclusive cast no, and and Agreed. looking not just for Agreed. below the line which is you know extras but we want you production companies to have above the line positions be director be it casting and what what have you and so now here we are we launched that last year in march so it'll be a year and one of those productions Best actor, mm -hmm. right? For the Joker that was filmed here in New Jersey that applied for that film yep. diversity and film production. So we were part of their success essentially. Absolutely. So New Jersey put the Joker on the map. New Jersey, <laughs> New Jersey is according to Movie Maker um, article, we are one of the top places in the country now for film productions. Excellent. And particularly now we have issued through EDA a diversity film tax logo so that That's when you awesome. do a production here in New Jersey and you have used diverse cast in your program that puts you in position to get that additional credit, you have a logo that you can look to yep. and know that you're doing the right thing by people of color and ensuring that they are part of the film industry. So kudos to EDA, kudos for the state of New Jersey, and I'm just happy that 
I was able to partner with you on this, and we're just going to continue to see great productions coming through the state. You're literally setting the stage for diversity. I it's love a, that. Tough to top those kinds of comments. So I'm <laughs> trying to think what else we could talk about here. <laughs> so I have a few more questions. Yeah, sure. Um, so Governor Murphy's plan is based on the idea that economic strength and equity are not competing priorities, but instead self-reinforcing goals. How does our diversity strengthen New Jersey and what policies and programs are you pursuing? And this is each for EDA and for Hester to ensure economic growth does not come at the expense of equity. I'm gonna take that first, Jarkin. <laughs> so I think it's what we've been talking mm -hmm. about, right? So that's being intentional. Mm -hmm. That's making sure that in, in all that we do, that we make sure that we keep in mind that we have communities here that are diverse and we, we harness that. Um, again, going back to data, I tell people that based upon um, census information, our state is slated to become majority minority mm -hmm. um, by earliest 2038. So diversity is not just our future, right. it really is our, our asset. So we have the opportunity, and I think that that's what we're involved in right now, is creating a best state model for Absolutely. the country. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'd echo that. I mean, I think um, I'd echo that entirely. Um, the As we think about sort of how we build that programmatically, you know, the, we, we talk a lot about incentives and tax credits, and it's a, always a good discussion whenever that comes up. <clears throat> but when we think about um, how we are, if we're going to be making investments, particularly targeted investments, to revitalize communities and to bring jobs into uh, places that have been ignored for investment for too long, doing that in a way that is empowering and and, 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 and um, uplifting to the folks that have, as the governor, to use the governor's phrase, fought and stayed through, right. through challenging periods is a really hard but worthy uh, goal. So whether that's you know, including in the governor's economic development plan, uh, bonus, things like bonuses for local hiring, bonuses for purchasing from local uh, you know, surrounding businesses, uh, community benefits agreements, those kinds of things to make sure that if a company says they're going to hire 200 people, uh, you know, how do we make sure those are for folks who are in the surrounding neighborhood or in the around in the in the in the transit in the area that's served by transit from there, so that we are uh, translating these economic development investments into things that are not just good for companies. That's fine, but it'll be good for people, and that's that's what's I think central to how the governor thinks about these economic development initiatives. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. the people in the communities, right? Because mm -hmm. that has happened too often. Where, as you started off saying, we know that these economic opportunities are here, but. How does that trickle down to those businesses and those communities mm -hmm. where this activity is taking place? Mm -hmm. So now that, that we're conscious of making sure that we have that direct alignment and that we're drawing from that because we know that these businesses, particularly minority or women, veteran-owned businesses, mm -hmm. they hire people within these diverse right. communities. So as they grow, you know, our Unemployment rate, getting back to what you were talking mm -hmm. about with that wealth gap and the racial wealth gap, well, that addresses that inherently, right? Because the people who are unemployed are people who are in, in these communities that are disconnected. Absolutely. So these businesses are in a position to grow and employ. That addresses that, not to mention the fact that you have those further reinvestments by these businesses in the communities in which they serve. So. Um, I tell anyone, it's a great time to be in the state of New Jersey. Absolutely. Exciting things are happening. Absolutely. I think well said on both ends. And you hit on the jobs piece, but I'm going to ask a little yeah. bit deeper of a question. Um, a critical component of equitable economic growth is ensuring that everyone has access to the education and training necessary to build a rewarding and good-paying career. The governor recently released Jobs in J, a plan that focuses on this issue specifically on preparing students and workers to participate in New Jersey's growing innovation economy. 
what aspects of the plan are you most involved with or excited about? And we can break that down. I think one is a piece that we can focus on specifically for EDA. And I think has to hit on that when we talked about the type of jobs that are created when you widen your net and look at your, your pool of candidates as well. So Tim, we'll start with you and then we'll go over to Heston. Sure. So the jobs in J plan is really exciting. It, 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 uh, it's a, it's a, it's a plan that was released, I think, in early January, but it really comes from the Jobs and Economic Opportunity uh, Council that uh, I have the privilege to serve on, along with a number of other cabinet members, and is co-chaired. I co-chair it with um, Secretary of Higher Education, Dr. Zakia Smith-Ellis, who's fantastic. Um, it, it's a really comprehensive uh, knitting together of our our work, excuse me, our economic development plan, um, the higher education plans that. Uh, was released last March, as well as all the workforce development and apprenticeship uh, efforts that Department of Labor are leading. There's lots of other things in it, but those are kind of the three biggest pieces of it. Um, you know, as we think about how how that translates into what that means for people, I think it, there's a number of things that are included in it. One of the things I'm most excited about, and I'm, I'll be sort of quoting Zakia uh, in this one because she's uh, great in talking about this, is increasing. Um, there's a very specific goal in there. We talk about setting hard goals, mm -hmm. increasing uh, the number of African-American, Latinx, and Native American students who will complete the credential that they've started that's right. by 2025. I think so 250,000 more uh, over that period of time. It's a big, that's a big goal. That's a, that's a big number. And as Zakia was quoted the other day saying, <clears throat> no one starts college or no one starts community college thinking they're not going to finish, but a lot of folks don't. Uh, and that's true across the board and it's disproportionately true among communities of color. Um, and the difference in the earnings potential for mm -hmm. completing it, whatever credential you've started out for, because first of all, you've got even if you only go halfway, you've got half the debt and none of the credential. Um, and so completing the credential um, it meaningfully increases your earning power and meaningfully increases the options that are available to you. But that's not necessarily just a four-year bachelor's degree construct. That could be a apprenticeship program. That could be a training program. That could be a, uh, a union um, training program with a credential at the end of it. It, it. it could mean a whole variety of different things. But having that credential, that piece of paper... Uh, matters a great deal. And so it's it's really exciting, I think, to have those kinds of commitments out there as part of that plan. Yeah, and I think it's important as well because when you, when you look at, again, from the business side, it's very competitive out there in terms of labor mm -hmm. and, and having a, a labor force that will be able to provide the services that you as a business owner need to provide. So, you know, that's one of the things that we have to look at. How, what are we doing? And I think that's what this mm -hmm. this addresses right what are we doing to address that supply chain what are we doing to cultivate that so that these businesses that we want to grow they can't grow if they don't have the ability to to staff up and to retain staff so to the extent that we're building and developing that pipeline and then through an apprenticeship mm -hmm. program and others that you're talking about around that table making that connection and making them readily available to these businesses, um, that's so key, right? Because we have a lot of our students, and I'm sure Zakia talks about that as well, that leave the state. Yep. And so having programs that develop a pipeline and then position them, best position them for, to work for companies and businesses that are doing great things in the state in which they come from, um, I think it's a win-win across the board. So again, all of this has to be strategic and thoughtful, which it is, and um, just excited to be a part of fashioning this for the future. Agreed, and we're coming to a close, but just words that have continued to come up during this conversation are accessibility, 
opportunity and intentional. I think that's really what's guiding all of our paths forward. I want to give some closing thoughts on this. And again, we're so excited to have Hester and Tim here. Um, EDA and Hester's office have been leading these efforts for this state, but definitely want to have some closing thoughts for me. Hester, you get to go first. Well, ladies first. <laughs> ladies first, absolutely. Okay. Um, well, closing thoughts are, um, again, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity and the platform to talk about the work of the office. Um, I tell anyone that this type of work, the work that we do, um, is important to be inside of our offices, but it's equally important to be out there and engaging right. with the public and for them to have an understanding and appreciation of all that's going on. So um, in light of that and in light of what you're doing with this podcast series, I hope that, that this information goes out broadly to a wide audience and that we continue to have that partnership, not just amongst ourselves, but with the larger New Jersey and tri-state community. Yeah, I'd echo that. First of all, Hester, thanks for not just for being on the podcast, but thanks for everything you're partnering with us on. This has been really important work, and we're by no means, you know, we're, we're making progress, but we got a, a long road ahead of us, and we're going to keep chipping away at it uh, in partnership with you, which is which is really important because you know, again, it, this is the the right thing to focus on, not just because it's the right thing, because it's a smart thing. Uh, it's it's good for the economy, it's good for people, and it's again, it's the it's the right thing to do. And when you can find some when you can find some things to work on that are check all those boxes it's it's rewarding and exciting and and challenging and all those fun things so um we're thrilled to be working on what we're working on and hopefully working on lots of new initiatives as we think of them over the coming years so thank you to hester and tim who are both moving the needle on these critical issues so thank you, Ty. thanks Ty. <laughs>